Praise the Lord. Well, as we're just beginning and starting up again, it's like we're winding down the year as well. And so we're kind of starting. And it, church has just gotten a whole nother level of complexity. Uh, you know, these hybrid meetings, online, in person. Uh, now you can get ready for church. You don't only just get your Sunday best, but you got to make sure your, your mask is clean and uh, all these other extra things that we've got to do now living in this world today. But uh, God is still on the throne. He's still moving. He's still saving souls over that period. We saw several baptized in Jesus' name. And God filled a couple of them with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And this morning we have somebody getting baptized as well. And we're rejoicing with that because that's what a person needs to do in order for them to go to heaven. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse number 1. If you have your Bibles with you, trust that you do. Either your paper Bibles, your, your tablets, your iPads, your iPhones, iOS, Android, whatever you have. Or you can just look at the screen. And we've got eight verses to read. If you wouldn't mind standing in honor of God's Word, you can also look at the screen if you didn't have one, don't, didn't bring your Bible with you. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse number 1. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag, on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Well, what, a, what a gruesome and horrible discovery to come home to. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the, wife, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. They were angry with David. Because the soul of all the people was grieved and every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened or encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he said, Pursue, for you shall overtake them, and without fail, recover all. I want to talk to you on that last word, second last word, recover. Simply recover. Amen. Let us pray. Let's lift up our voices and ask the Lord to bless us. Uh, we're thinking of uh, Brother, Brother Dew, who's in hospital thinking of Sister Mella, who's also in hospital recovering. We want to pray and ask the Lord for his touch. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bring before you these precious souls, your children. They are your beloved children. They are the apple of your eye. And we ask you, Lord, in your mercy and your grace that you would reach out to them and bring healing to their bodies. Let strength come. Let let virtue flow, Lord, from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. 
Let your spirit be in the midst of them. Even while they're in that bed, we ask you, Lord, that you would saturate that room with your holy presence. Lord God, and raise them up, Lord, for a testimony of your healing virtue and power. We think of Miriamah today. Lord, we ask you to bring comfort and peace to her as you heal her body, Lord. We thank you for all the work that you have done over these last several weeks. But today, Lord, we're believing you for the miraculous. We're believing you for a recovery, Lord God, of everything that may have been lost. And we pray for your anointing to be upon your people and upon your servant to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's thank the Lord once again and clap our hands. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. We want to try to do the best that we can in ensuring that we are following the public health orders and um, to do our bit uh, for now. We know that this is not going to be forever, but uh, it will pass. Praise God. Thank you, everybody, for your patience. Thank you for continuing to join with us uh, even through our live stream. And uh, I've been told that we've had 11 people baptized in, in the last several weeks. Amen. Can you thank the Lord for that? That's something to celebrate about. Praise God. Amen. Uh, first, the book of 1 Samuel is perhaps one of my favorite books in the Bible. I, I never tire of reading the stories of, of David. It is one of the most remarkable books. And uh, this particular story, as the end of this, the, this book, chapter 30, is one of the most amazing ones, alongside, of course, David slaying the giant Goliath. That is a, a favorite of mine to read and to, to preach. Uh, you know the story well for those of you that have been in church for any length of time at all. David had been anointed to be the next king of Israel. At just at a tender age of an adolescent, uh, Jesse, uh, the, the father of David, had hosted the prophet Samuel to come and anoint the next king because uh, King Saul had become rebellious and sinful in his heart. And and so David, being anointed the youngest, the eighth son of, of Jesse, anointed by God and used by God, and God's hand upon him and God's anointing upon him was evident by God giving him the victory over Goliath. And thereafter, David was recruited into the army of Israel and God's hand upon David again was manifested by his victory after victory of military campaigns to the point where David's legend and his, his fame throughout Israel began to rise and, and where they sang songs of Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul, having heard that, this, this backslidden king, having heard that this young man who uh, was outshining him, grew jealous and tried to kill David and to destroy what he felt was a threat to his, to his throne. And David ultimately would have to flee Israel. And, and over the next 15 to 20 years, 
he was uh, locked out, not locked down, but locked out of Israel for 15 to 20 years, living in the enemy's territory, the, Israel's traditional enemy, the Philistines, and having to survive in that place because the king of Israel wanted him destroyed. An incredible story. At a young age, he was anointed, and it took another 15 to maybe 20 years before he was actually ascended to the, before he ascended to the throne of Israel. But the Bible says that while he was in the wilderness, it says that all of these people who were in distress, who were discontented, and who were in debt began to gather around David, and they made David their captain, and he, he became their leader, and he took this group of, of losers, if you will. He, he took a bunch of rejects of society, these people who were undoubtedly in debt, so they ran away because if they couldn't pay their debts, they would have had to become slaves. So they were runaways themselves, but they gathered around David, and David began to train this ragtag bunch of losers, of no-hopers, into a formidable army. Amen. What a remarkable story. I simply want to make an inference to tell you that, that regardless of who rejects you, Regardless of who might be against you or what they try to do to you and wherever you find yourself in, maybe you are on the outer, maybe you've been rejected, maybe you've been cast out and cut out of the family perhaps. Can I tell you that wherever you are, if you continue to trust in God, God will prosper you where you are planted. Amen. Praise God. Don't you worry. They may be able to take opportunities away from you. They may be able to take things away, but they cannot take away the anointing that dwells in your heart. Amen. Whatever gifting God has placed in you, whatever anointing and ability that God has imputed into your life, I'm telling you, if you continue to focus upon that, God will use you. He will anoint you. And there are those that God will bring your way to ensure that he will prosper you, he will empower you. Come on, somebody. Can I tell you, no matter how, how much they may lock us down, the church is still going to be the church. We're going to still experience the power of Almighty God. You, you might, they might lock you down, but they can't take the Holy Spirit out of your life. You've still got the Holy Ghost. You've still got the presence of God. And no matter how limited life may be and the circumstances in your life, I'm telling you, all you've got to do is stir up the gift that is in you. Amen. Don't you remember? That's what Paul told Timothy. He said, don't neglect the gift that is in you that has been placed upon you by the laying on of hands. Stir it up. Stir up the gift that is in you and God will prosper you. It doesn't matter what man will do against you, but God's anointing. Oh, amen. 
I haven't even got to my sermon yet. Please forgive me. It's been a while since I preached to folks in person. I'm a little nervous here today. But can I tell you that God wants to stir up something within us? They've locked us down long enough. It's time to stir up the power of God. And I am convinced that God has an anointing upon every child of God, upon every believer, every man, woman, or child, if you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got something to contribute to the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. I know you got that mask on, but don't let the devil muzzle you from declaring that you are anointed. Come on, turn to somebody and say, I'm anointed. Hallelujah, that's why we're, we're too anointed to be disappointed. We're too blessed to be stressed. We've got a God who hasn't forgotten about us. He is able to use us. Amen. David, no matter what, even though he was in the middle of the wilderness, acting like a madman so that the king of the Philistines, the lords of the Philistines wouldn't kill him, Yet he still had 600 men that rallied around him. You can't take away somebody's anointing. Amen. Man may try to manipulate circumstance where they try to, to control you or stop any kind of, you might get overlooked on the job. Somebody else might get the promotion even though you worked harder than anybody else. Don't you fret. Don't get upset. Don't get bent out of shape and bitter because God knows you've still got God on your side. You've still got the anointing of the Holy Ghost dwelling in your life. Amen. And so the story that we read here today takes us to where David found himself having to fight alongside the Philistines because he aligned himself with Israel's traditional enemies, the Philistines. But now the Philistines were coming against Israel. And so this, this made David very fretful. He, he was stuck. He was in a bind because he is already committed to the Philistines, but he can't fight against his own people. And so by God's divine sovereignty, by God's divine providence, somehow the Philistines, when they saw David and his men, some of the other lords, told the king, the king of the Philistines, Achish, that listen, uh, he, David, this is the guy that, you know, they, Saul had killed his thousands, David killed his ten thousands. He, he might just turn around and stab us in the back if you're going to fight alongside of him. And so, no, we don't want David. Send him away. And so David and his men were sent from the battle. Oh, isn't God good? God knows how much we can handle. He'll never lead you to a place where it will cause you to sin. But with every sin, Paul said, there is a way of escape. With every temptation, rather, there is a way of escape. Amen. Praise God. David finds himself as he comes home to a place that, that had given him harbor, that had given him a haven by the Philistines, a city called Ziglag. The word Ziglag means winding, like I think maybe they're trying to say zigzag. <laughs> Ziglag. And when they get home, they are confronted with this devastating discovery that everything that they had valued was gone. Their wives and their children 
their possession, what little possession they had, was taken. It was gone. What an incredible, what a heartbreaking situation to find. The only thing left was in burning ashes. And there was such complete and utter devastation, unimaginable anguish. And can I tell you, it's, it's one thing to lose a loved one. Buried a baby just recently. It's one thing to lose a loved one. It's a whole other thing to lose them all. These men, all that they had, all that they fought for, their wives, their children were gone. And without a single trace of where they went. It is little wonder then that these men would react in the way that they did. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse number 4, the David and the people who would come with him lifted up their voices and they wept until they had no more power to weep. I don't know if you've ever been there. That kind of grief, that kind of pain that is so deep, that, that is so beyond just sorrowful, that, that this was uh, this mixture that had flooded their hearts, a mixture of traumatic shock, they're still dealing with the shock of what they've lost. Combined together with this unbearable grief and a rage now that was beginning to rise in the hearts of these people. This is the mixture of emotions that we go through when we go through loss. When we lost something, we are, we are saddened. We are upset. We begin to grieve and then that grief turns into anger and we look around for somebody by which to, to focus our anger upon. And these men, they, they inevitably look to their leader. Uh, they began to focus their anger upon the leader. Amen. Whatever goes on in the church, don't be angry with the leader, okay? To, to speak of stoning him. They, they wanted to stone this man because it was David. He, the buck stops with him. He, he's the one that, that has to answer because he's the one that had been leading them to go to, to fight with the Philistines and, and now they, and to, to abandon their wives and their children to where now they were taken. And that's such seeming tragedy, these hardened soldiers. You've got to remember these were tough men, mighty men that were consumed with such grief and anger that everybody wanted to hurt David. And David himself, out of all of them, had more to lose than any other soldier there. He had his children. He had several wives. Back then, you were allowed to have more than one. And so he was distressed. But I want you to notice what David did in chapter 30 and verse 6. It says that when he was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him, there was speech of betrayal. They were conspiring, getting ready now to destroy him and kill him because of what happened. Because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters wanted to kill David. But the Bible says David encouraged himself or strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Amen. Can I tell you that the first step to your recovery is to be able to encourage yourself in God. Amen. Because there's going to come a time in your life when nobody will be there with you. 
even when you are in the toughest battle of your life, even as much as we pray for folks, and, and recently we've had folks that had to go to hospital, and in their hospitals they had to be by themselves because of this pandemic. We couldn't even go visit them. Loved ones couldn't even go visit them. And can I remind you that ultimately in the battle of your life, in those moments that come, uh, that you will really be by yourself. No matter how many words of encouragement we give to you, ultimately some of the battles that you face it will be by yourself and hear me today the people are going to let you down friends are going to let you down can I even tell you right now even this church we will let you down we're not we're going to disappoint you at some time or another because we're humans we're not perfect but I want to give to you a key that can help you on your way to recovering all is that you have this ability to be able to encourage yourself in God. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Amen. That when you don't have anybody to your side, when you've got nobody ringing you up or patting you on the back or telling you how awesome and how good you are, can I remind you that you're never alone, that you still have the ability to encourage and say, God, I know you're still there. I know you haven't lost my address, but that you are still on my side. Oh, come on, somebody. Am I talking to anybody right now? This is the most powerful thing that you can understand. And it's not just about encouraging yourself in yourself, in your abilities, in your talent. Yes, if I'm just looking at myself, if I'm just putting my trust in my ability, it will fall short. But, oh, I'm not encouraging myself in me alone, but in the Lord, my God, I'm encouraging myself than God. Oh, hallelujah, is still who he says he is. I've come to tell you it doesn't matter how down you are, how deep the pit. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. His grace is sufficient. His love is enough. His power is not short, but he is able to come to you whatever you need. Oh, hallelujah. You can encourage yourself in God. You can make up your mind that my God is too good to be unkind. He's the kind of God. He will never reject you. He will never turn his back on you. But if you call on his name, he'll be ready to answer you. Oh, hallelujah. Our God is so good. Can I tell you, there is no sin that you can commit that he will not forgive. There's no sin that you will commit. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 12, verse 31, he said, So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven except blasphemy of the, against the Holy Spirit. And I don't believe that you can blaspheme the Holy Ghost accidentally or unwittingly. It's something a person wants to do to sin against God. He said, there is no sin that God cannot forgive you of. And so it doesn't matter what sins got you in your life. If you can encourage yourself, to say, my God still has a place for me. He's still got a plan for my life. He's still got a purpose in my life. Hallelujah. He will lead you. He will guide you. He's too good to reject us. Amen. 
And I think this is what stands David out above all men. This is what stands leaders out above all others, is that leaders have the ability to encourage themselves in God. When nobody will encourage you. And, and I know sometimes we can get into a pity party. I know sometimes we can get into a, a, a phase where, where everything looks, looks gloomy and, and nobody really likes me and nobody really cares about me. And, and we could even get into that stage where, where even in the church we feel like, oh, these, these folks don't really care. These folks are, are not really for me. And you may feel that way. But, but here's the first step to your recovery is despite all of that's against you, even if people are against you, even when circumstances don't look good, it seems like you've lost it all. Can I remind you that you've still got your faith? That you've still got this belief in the depth of your heart? Remember, that's our theme for this year is high faith. To focus on what you have as the most powerful thing that you've got in your life, which is to stir up the faith that is within you and take a hold of the promises of God, that God is still there that he hasn't abandoned me. He hasn't abdicated his throne. He's still got me in the palm of his hand. Oh, come on, somebody. You've got to learn to encourage yourself. Even when some of your friends are telling you, come on, let's go out and, and drink and get plastered and do all kinds of stuff, you've got to stand your ground and encourage yourself, no, I'm going to the house of God. I'm going to live for God. There's got to be somebody in this world that wants to live for God. There's got to be somebody in this world that believes the Bible, that trusts in the Lord. It might as well be you, and it might as well be me. It might as well be the Pentecostals of Sydney that we put our trust in our God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He could have just thrown the towel in. Said, oh, my men have abandoned me. They've turned their backs on me. My wife and my children are gone. Everything that I hold valuable. But he said, it's not gone. I still got, and, and the, uh, uh, the allusion to the story is, the inference is that somehow David hadn't prayed for some time. That it's been a while. Anybody relate to this? That there's been a season. And somehow hardship has a way of bringing us back. When we go through problems... When we go through trials, that's when, okay, okay, honey, let's, let's hold hands. Let's get the kids together and let's pray. Oh, but when things are good, somehow we, some, we can forget God. We can forget that the Lord is there. And so when this tragedy, this tragedy has struck, David did the only thing that he knew to do. He said, I can encourage myself in God. I've still got God. I've still got his word. I've still got his, his promise. And so in verse number 7, the Bible says, David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, he said, bring the, the, the ephod. And the ephod represented, represented the, the voice of God. This is where the stones were put in that, that vest. It was the, the, the Urim and the Thurim. Urim and the Thurim. I, I, can, I always get those two mixed up. 
And that's where God would speak to his people through that vest. He said, bring the vest, bring the ephod. And the, the priest of Biathar would put it on. And so he began to ask those two questions. He said, shall I pursue? Shall I overtake? And see, here, here's the difference with this prayer. Is David said, what, what do you want me to do? Because my prayer would be, Lord, bring them back. Lord, just bring my wife and kids back by Amazon or Uber, whatever it is. Bring them back. We've gotten used to that. Right? We've gotten used to, to getting things delivered in the house. And, but he didn't ask God to bring them back. He asked God, God, what do you want me to do? Amen. And he, here's again, that this is the next step to our recovery, is we've got to go back to, to our spiritual disciplines. And it, it could very well be that in this period that we have been able to have church, that we've gotten ourselves into some bad habits. We've kind of lost the groove and the rhythm of, of church and even our devotions. And somehow we've kind of entered into a new normal of, of just, just doing church while we're washing dishes and listening in, you know, and, and just having, uh, you know, things just given to us over this device. It's very easy to do that. But I want to preach and encourage this church today that we've got to recover. Go back to our disciplines. Go back to prayer. Our prayer team, led by Brother Sione, they've been praying every morning at 3 a.m., every 6 a.m. We've had our Monday night prayers, and we've had men's prayers, and we've had all kinds, of. we've been praying with other ministers and leaders around Australia, and, and that's wonderful. And I, I've come to encourage you that, that when life gets too hard, that everything gets against you, that you've got to go back to know to you know what works, and prayer still works. The Word of God is still what we need to give our our priority too. We still need to pray and open up the Bible. Let your day begin every day with prayer. And then when you pray, you say, God, what do you want me to do? What would you have me? Do you want me to pursue? Do you want me to go, go over? Do you want me to overtake? And from this time on, you'll read that David, every time he had to do something, he inquired of the Lord. He came to learn a lesson that God is involved in our lives, that he's not just somebody to rescue us when we're in trouble, that he's not just there to get us out of our troubles. And, and whenever we don't have the answers that he'll have, he, he's somebody that we need to look to every day and said, God, what? How do you want me to live my life? How do you want me to pursue and to do what you call me to do? I'm telling you, God wants you to pursue after everything that the enemy has stolen, everything that God has for you. He wants you and is calling us to pursue, to go after it, to run for it. And he said, you shall surely overtake them and recover all. I'm not saying that you're going to recover everything that you lost in the sense of your material stuff. Maybe you lost that job. I don't know. Maybe it's not God's will for you to go back. But I'm talking about the spiritual things. I'm talking about your spiritual hunger and your desire. I'm talking about the things that are intangible but at the core of who you are. Lord, shall I pursue again a relationship with you? Shall I pursue your ministry that you have called me to? I've come to tell you that God has a ministry. He wants to use you for these end time revival. And I am convinced that what we're experiencing in the world is once again a platform. It's an opportunity for God to 
bring revival into this entire world, to bring the salvation of lost souls into this world. I want you to know that he wants you to be a part of his work of reaching the lost. Hallelujah. Musicians, if you'd like to come, I've got to wrap this up. I've got so much more to say about the story. When he began to pursue, the Bible tells us that he came across an Egyptian who incredibly was a part of the Amalekite army that had taken away his family, who'd kidnapped his children. This Amalekite was so weary and tired, he was by a brook. And they had no idea where to go. But somehow they came across this Egyptian, and the Egyptian said to them, if you spare my life, I'm going to show you where these Amalekites are. So God reveals through this man to David and his men where his children and his family had gone. And he treated them, David treated this Egyptian with kindness and restored his strength, replenished him. This Egyptian showed them exactly where they needed to go. I want you to know that whatever you pursue for God, that even if you may not know your direction, you may not know the way, God will always provide a way for you to go. This is a walk of faith. He, he doesn't tell us every single thing that we need to decide upon. He doesn't make us give us every decision that we got to make. Sometimes we got to make those decisions. But let me remind you, if you stick with God along the way, there will be markers. Along the way, there will be confirmation. Along the way, he will show you. He's not going to allow you to be lost. He's not going to allow you to wander in the wilderness being lost. But along the way, he said, come on, son. Come on, daughter. You're going in the right direction. There's a little prompt, a little word, a little confirmation. The Bible says that 200 of his men were so weary and tired that they could not even take one more step. That he said, all right, well, you remain here. The 200 remained behind. They were at this brook, Brook Besor, and the other 400 went and pursued. And when they got to the camp of the Amalekites, those Amalekites were having a party. They were enjoying themselves while they held David's family and David's men's family in, in captivity. And the Bible says when they attacked from twilight until the going down of the sun, they absolutely annihilated this, this group of people that took him. And the Bible says that whatever David lost, he recovered it all. Hallelujah. I've come to serve notice to the devil today. Whatever momentum that we have lost in this church, because we can only have a hundred, it's okay. We're going to keep pursuing. We're going to keep moving forward. And we're going to recover everything that we might think we might have lost. God is on our side. We're going to pursue. That's why we didn't want to wait one more week before everybody's able to come. No, as soon as we can have church, we're going to have church. But not just on a Sunday, but during the week. We've got Bible study after Bible study. We've got small group after small group. We've got people emailing us. 
I had somebody call me the other day, said, I'm looking for a church. And I felt like God was calling me to go to a Pentecostal church. And so I put it in the computer. I put in Pentecostal church in Sydney. And he said, your church was the first name that came up. And so here I am. I want to go to church. I said, come. He said, whenever you're ready, you come. We got a place for you here. I'm telling you, they are hungry and they are thirsty. And we're going to pursue after a world-shaking revival. Every soul, every person that's on their way to a devil's hell, we're going to go after them. We're going to pursue. We're going to overtake before they are lost. We're going to go to our homes, to our families, to our workplaces, to our schools, to our community. And we're going to recover every, every hour, every minute that we've lost over the last three months. God is going to give us a world-shaking revival. But we've got to get up. We've got to go after it. We've got to pursue. Stand to your feet. I, I've got to stop. I'm just about done. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We want to have a time of prayer here today. And, and if you don't feel comfortable with anybody praying for you, you can remain in your seats and pray there. Uh, but we have ministers and leaders that are able to pray with folks. But I believe that as you pursue after God, that he will answer you. If you step out in faith, whatever your need is, if you need the gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence and the sign of God's filling in your heart with you speaking in other tongues, God can do that for you today. But you've got to step out. You've got to pursue. You've got to encourage and strengthen yourself in God that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. If you need that today, I want to invite you to come out of your seats and come to this altar. If you need healing in your body, we believe in a God that heals. We've heard testimony after testimony over the last few months of God's healing power upon people. If you need help, maybe in your heart and your mind, for God to set you free. I want you to know that God can heal you. And if you're watching us from home, I want to encourage you again to make an altar wherever you are at home and begin to reach out to the Lord and make this your day of recovery, to recover it all by encouraging yourself, by pursuing, going after His Word, coming to God in prayer. There is an incredible release of God's anointing in this place when you are willing to step out by faith but right now, over these next few moments, is your opportunity to respond. Our time to respond to the Lord today. Hallelujah. The linen ephod has been brought out. God is willing to hear your voice, to hearken to you. And he's going to answer you in your heart right now. Oh, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, come on. This altar is open. Why don't you spend some time with the Lord as the singers and Musicians, lead us. I wonder if you could go towards that linen ephod. That's where God answers and he meets with us. Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. Oh, yes. If you need God in your life, open your heart today and he will answer you. He will hearken to your voice.